Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Thank you, Dr. Aiken, and thank you, Miss Charlotte, for letting us be here. We're honored, and we thank the Lord for the opportunity. If you have your Bibles, take them, and let's turn to Daniel chapter 9. I preached this past fall in the book of Daniel, and it's been one of the best uh, series of messages I've ever preached through as far as me just enjoying the Word of God. And uh, one of the things that I appreciate about Daniel is He's a godly man, but he was a man of prayer. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Does prayer really make any difference? Does your prayer that you've prayed today, hopefully all of you have prayed today. If you haven't, I would encourage you to do that before the day is over with. Because a day without prayer, in my opinion, is a wasted day. If you pray today, does it make a difference? What difference does it make? I believe with all of my heart that you and I can help change the world through our prayers. Now, let me just say at the get-go here, I don't understand prayer. And I don't claim to be an expert on prayer. There's only one expert on prayer, and that's the Lord Jesus. But I do believe that prayer changes things. God uses prayer to help shape history. Don't understand that? Don't have to, but I believe it with all of my heart. And you and I are living in pivotal days and we can be catalysts for a spiritual awakening that we desperately need in the body of Christ and in Southern Baptist Convention if we will spend time with God in prayer. Daniel was only one man, but he was a praying man. And consequently, he was a powerhouse. He lived in a pagan culture, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the right people knew it. When Belshazzar saw the writing on the wall and nobody could tell him what it was about, his mom came in. Her daddy, Nebuchadnezzar, had known a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what she said that night just before the Medo-Persians came in and took control of Babylon. She said, O king, live forever. Don't let your thoughts alarm you. Don't let your face be pale. There's a man, I like that. There's a man in your kingdom in whom is a spirit of the holy gods. That is, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He has an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and insight, O king. Let Daniel now be summoned and he will declare the interpretation. He will tell you what this writing on the wall is. And he, boy, did he. You've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Everything Daniel said came true. Now, why was Daniel different? Why was there nobody else 
that could really hear from God in that day? Why was it that God talked to this man? I don't know all the answers to that, but I'll tell you this. I believe at least some of it had to do with the fact that three times a day for 60 years, he prayed. Three times a day. That's over a thousand times a year. Can you imagine dying and standing before the Lord in your 80s and you've spent 60,000 60, times you've stood before the Lord and you've read his word and you've listened to him and you've talked with him. Daniel's prayer life set him apart from everybody else. I want to say this to you. If you love somebody, you talk with them. If you love somebody, you talk about them. I've been married to Donna 36 years. I talk with her every day, wherever I am. And if I'm gone, I talk with her about six or seven times on the phone. I don't care about the bill. I don't care about it. Because when you love somebody, you talk with them. And when you love somebody, you talk about them. I tell people about my wife. I tell people all the time, if we were Methodists, I'd be the associate pastor. She's a lot better speaker than me. No doubt about it. A lot easier to look at. We won't even go there. Amen. I get it. But I just say I'm not Methodist. <laughs> so don't worry about that. But I, I love her. And I, I, I thank God for it. So I talk about her and it's so easy. I love my 10 grandchildren. Just like Dr. Aiken and his wife love their 12 grandchildren. I, you love somebody, you talk with them and you talk about them. It's just natural. I'm, don't tell me you love Jesus if you don't talk with him. If you don't talk about him. Dr. Reed, if you, if you love Jesus, you're going to talk about him. <laughs> if he's in your heart, he's going to come out of your mouth. That's what Chuck Kelly says. And so Daniel just loved the Lord and he talked with him and God talked with him. And one day he was reading scripture and he read in Jeremiah that in 70 years, God was going to bring the exiles from Babylon home. And he had done his math and he knew the 70 years were about up. And so he goes to God and he prays the promises that he read in Jeremiah, he prayed them back to the Lord in Daniel chapter nine, where we're gonna be today. Just like Jesus prayed scripture on the cross, Jesus prayed Psalm 22 verse one and Psalm 31 verse five on the cross, Daniel prayed Jeremiah 25, 11 and 12. And the prayer he prayed in Daniel nine is amazing. Daniel prayed this promise back to the Lord and he added to it, it's a prayer that you ought to study. It's the kind of prayer that you ought to pray for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in America. He fasted for 21 days. He prayed until he was literally exhausted. When's the last time you prayed until you were literally exhausted? When's the last time you fasted? When's the last time you called on the Lord so much so that like Jesus you were sweating and your sweat was like great drops of blood falling to the ground. I understand that was a unique time in Gethsemane. But I want to say this to you. You'll never have a resurrection until you have a crucifixion. You'll never have a crucifixion until you have a Gethsemane. Until God breaks you. Until God breaks you of your pride. 
until God breaks you of your being a smart aleck, of God breaking you, of thinking that you're better than anybody for anything. God can't use you until he crushes you. And he does that in Gethsemane. And then you get to go to the cross. But praise God, there's a glorious resurrection. But it starts in prayer. It starts at Gethsemane, pouring out your heart to God. And Daniel was a kid that was taken away as a teenager from his home and his family. And they made him a eunuch. He didn't complain. And he and those three other friends of his went through all kinds of horrible things, but they stood for God. Kingdom after kingdom, king after king, leader after leader, problem after problem. What was the key? He prayed. And in Daniel 9, an angel named Gabriel, pretty important guy in the Bible, came to him and he spoke this word. Now I know that I'm in a seminary and I know that the New Living Translation is probably not the one you normally use, but I was reading this in my quiet time one morning it was while I was preaching and out with the meeting with North American Mission Board and we were out in Denver. God laid this on my heart and I read it out of the New Living, so I'm gonna read it out of the New Living. Please forgive me, all right? Daniel 9, 23. The moment Gabriel's speaking to Daniel, Daniel's prayed and fasted 21 days. The moment you began praying, Daniel, a command was given, and now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. Prayer, what difference does it make that you and I talk with God? I need, I need to pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would burn this so deep in our soul that we'll never, ever neglect prayer again. God, let that happen in my life, in all of our lives right now, in Jesus' name. Don't let this be a sermon. Let this be a word from heaven to me and to all of these people. In Jesus' name, and if you receive that, say amen. Number one, prayer moves the hand of God. I know that makes some people uncomfortable, but I don't know how else to say it. When we pray, God moves. Don't understand it. But look at verse 23. The moment you began praying, something happened. A command was given. You prayed. A command was given. The prayers of this man moved the hand of Almighty God. Uh, throughout the Bible, you see this happening, man praying and God responding with action. Abraham prayed and God rescued Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses prayed and God sent plagues on the Egyptians. Moses prayed again and God split the Red Sea and they walked through on dry land. Some people say that Joshua never really attained to the spiritual level of Moses. I'm sorry. You know, Joshua prayed. Now listen, the world stopped turning. That's pretty good. <laughs> you know, it's one thing for a little sea to open up, a big sea to open up. But then, you know, if you had on your spiritual resume, well, you know, I prayed one day and God stopped the world. <laughs> he stopped the world because a man prayed. Hannah, Baron Hannah prayed and God supernaturally gave her a son and not just any son, but Samuel the last of the judges, one of the first of the great prophets. Everybody knew that the word of God coming out of his mouth would not fall to the ground. Everybody knew it from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. They knew that he was a man of God and he had a praying mother. And I want to tell you something. If you've got a praying mother, you ought to get down on your knees and thank God. My kids have a praying mother. 
Elijah prayed, fire fell from heaven at Mount Carmel. Elisha prayed and a little boy was raised from the dead. Jesus prayed. What? Jesus prayed. I believe most every morning, Mark 135 was the deal for Jesus. In the early morning while it was still dark, he arose, went out to a lonely place and was by himself and for there for a protracted time of, he was praying to the Lord. The Bible says he would often escape to the wilderness, Luke 5, and he would pray. He would take prayer retreats. The Bible says that he prayed and he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness and overcame Satan's temptations. The Bible says that he prayed and with a little boy's lunch, he prayed over the little boy's lunch and little became much in the hand of God. And he fed 5,000 men plus their families. The Bible says that he prayed again at Garden of Gethsemane and that his, his, his sweat was dropping to the ground like blood, blood coming out of him. Luke 22, verse 44, he prayed so fervently, it was falling to the ground. And on the cross, he prayed three times, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. He, that, that prayer is one time, mentioned one time, but he was repeated over and over according to the, the verbiage used there. And then he prayed, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I believe he prayed all of Psalm 22. And then, and, and by the way, you would not have the Lord is my shepherd in Psalm 23 if you had not have my God, my God, why have you forsaken me in chapter 22? He had to be the suffering servant before he was the shepherd. And Jesus Christ prayed. The last thing he said on the cross was a prayer. Into your hands I commit my spirit, Psalm 31, verse 5. And then he prayed in his resurrected state, the Bible says. He would not put a morsel of bread in his mouth. Jesus would not there when he was ministering to those men at Emmaus. But without saying a blessing, and it's when he prayed that they recognized who he was and then he vanished. What's he doing right now? If we believe scripture, he's praying. Hebrews 7:25, he ever liveth to make intercession for those who draw near to God through him. I just want to say this to you. If Jesus Christ needed to pray, Steve Gaines needs to pray. And you need to pray as well. There's something about prayer that unlocks the power of God. And, and all the disciples saw that in Jesus' life. The only thing they ever said was, teach us to do this. They said, teach us to pray. They did not say, teach us to make disciples. They did not say, teach us to evangelize. They did not say, teach us how to preach. Those are wonderful things, and I'm not putting any of that down, but I'm telling you this, before all of that comes prayer. You don't talk about God until you have talked with God. You have no reason to teach about God unless you have been talking with God. Your, your first call is to minister to the Lord. The church prayed for 10 days and the Spirit of God came on a praying church just like Jesus prayed at his baptism and the Spirit of God, heaven opened and the Spirit of God came. The Holy Spirit doesn't come mightily upon and anoint people who don't pray. And the Bible says they prayed for 10 days and the Spirit of God came and the church was birthed, not in a business meeting, but in a prayer meeting. Do you understand? Prayer is at the root of who we are. The church was birthed in a prayer meeting. Missions, go look at Acts 13. They were ministering to the Lord and fasting, ministering to the Lord. When's the last time you ministered to the Lord in prayer? You poured out your heart like Hannah in prayer to the Lord. 
When's the last time you ministered to the Lord and missions was born? The whole Lottie Moon emphasis goes all the way back to Acts 13. It was born in a prayer meeting, not a business meeting. You see, when you pray, you get what God can do. We don't need what man can do. We've seen enough of that. We need what God can do. And when you pray, I don't understand it, but God blesses it. (laughs) He just blesses prayer. And so Daniel prays, and God moved. I I wonder, I could go on. I wonder, though, am I talking to anybody that your prayer life is virtually non-existent? I remember going to Southwestern. Don and I had been married two months. We went to Southwestern, and I can remember going there and thinking, well, I, you know, I study the Bible all the time. I read the Bible all the time, and I'm in the class. I'm reading all these books, and that'll do for my prayer life. You know what? It won't. Far better to take an extra year and to take fewer classes and to spend good time with God in prayer and get out a year later having kept your walk with the Lord than to rush through and to believe that intimacy with God is not a necessity. It is a necessity. If you love somebody, you talk with them. If you don't talk with them, you don't really love them. And you can have a degree, but I'd rather get a degree in prayer than anything else. I'm all for degrees, that's great. But prayer is the key and somehow it changes things. The Bible says in James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of one righteous man can accomplish much. I just wanna encourage you. You may not think you can do much for the Lord. You can change the world. You can change circumstance. You can change things. You can be with God. God will, will, God will answer your prayers, but you've got to pray. Is prayer important? Does prayer do anything? It moves the sovereign hand of God. Number two, very quickly, it reveals the will of God. Daniel wanted to know what was going to happen. He was saying, Lord, you know, you promised here that in 70 years we're going home and I don't see any hope of that. Lord, what's going on? Gabriel said in verse 23 again, now I am here to tell you what it was. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what you've been reading about. And he said at the end of the text, he said, so that you can understand, listen carefully, Daniel, so you can understand the meaning of your vision. Uh, now I'm here to tell you, now what? Now that you've prayed. <laughs> now that you've prayed, I'm gonna talk to you. Now again, think about that. Daniel spoke to God and then God spoke to Daniel. Does God ever speak to us and then we speak to him? Sure, but here it's reversed. Daniel talked to God, God talked to Daniel. It reminds me of James 4.8. If we draw near to God, God draws near to us. Again, I don't understand it. There are times God draws near to me and then I draw near to him, but there's times I draw near to God and he draws near to me. I don't understand it, it's just a love relationship. This is a beautiful love relationship. I think some of you are waiting on God to draw near to you. That's what Christmas is about. He's drawn near to you. (laughs) He's come. He's Emmanuel. We've sung about that today. And God is talking. I will say this to you. He's not always talking on Twitter. (laughs) 
He's talking out of the Bible. If you want to hear what God has to say, tune in. Just listen. The problem is not God's not speaking. God's speaking all the time through his word and through his spirit. Dr. Aiken and I were talking today about how the Holy Spirit prompts us to do certain things. That's the Spirit of God talking to us. The Word of God, God talking to us through His Word. He hasn't left you. You've left Him if you feel that distance. He wants to speak to you. You're not tuned in. God wants you to tune in today. God wants you to listen today. When I was a little boy, I would listen to country music. I grew up in Dyersburg, Tennessee. And uh, that's kind of country music place, you know. And we had a station out of Blyville, Arkansas, KHLS, Happy Listening Stereo. And I would get under the covers and I would listen to Tammy Wynette. Boy, you've, you've never, when you're an eight-year-old kid in Dyersburg, listen to Tammy Wynette. That's, that's cool, man, I'm telling you. And we're listening to George Jones and all those guys. I was, and my daddy would say, turn it off. I'd turn it down. I was disobedient. I confess, Lord, I was disobedient. But you know, that, that little country radio station was always playing. But I didn't always tune in. I didn't hear it all the time because I didn't tune in. And some of you don't hear from God because you don't tune in. And sometimes I don't hear from God because I don't tune in. Not, I'm not above you on this. I'm with you on this thing. But there's something about it that he reveals his will to us some of you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. God says, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I'll tell you what's going on. I'll explain things to you. I'll talk with you. I heard a guy say, if you want to hear God speak, read his word. If you want to hear him speak out loud, read the Bible out loud. <laughs> God will speak to you. I read the word this morning. It's the first thing I do when I wake up. I've tried to do that for years. Because I think it's a lot more important what God says than what I say. So I start with him. And then I pray back what I read to him in the word. I like to pray scripture. And then I've got people that are dear to me. And I'm not trying to impress you. And I'm not trying to brag on anything. And I'm, I'm not trying to, think, to make you think that I'm this perfect person or anything. But I want to say this to you. My children don't have to worry. My grandchildren don't have to worry. My wife doesn't have to worry about somebody praying for her. If they're breathing, and I'm breathing, they've been prayed for in the last 24 hours. Because I believe that crying out to God for your family is what a daddy's supposed to do. <laughs> I just think it's what you're supposed to do. And when you do that, God said in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. If you will make time to pray, God will speak to you. God will do things in your life that he doesn't do in other people's lives if you'll pray. When you talk with people, you'll find out what people know. But when you talk with God, You'll find out what God knows. And I've got news for you. God knows a whole lot more than people know. The Bible says in Proverbs 3.32, the Lord is intimate with the upright. Does prayer really make a difference? Does it really matter? I think it does. 
When we pray, God reveals his will to us. Prayer moves the hand of God, reveals the will of God. Last thing, prayer blesses the heart of God. I love this little phrase in the New Living Translation in Daniel 9, 23. Gabriel said, and now I'm here to tell you what it was. Now listen to this, for you are very precious to God. You're precious to God. Highly esteemed. It's a Hebrew word that describes something that is much desired, very precious. It's in the plural form which intensifies how precious it is. In Genesis 27, this same word was used to refer to extravagant garments, costly garments. In Ezra 8, to the fine, it referred to the finest gold. And the Lord looked at Daniel and said, Daniel, you're precious to me because you pray when nobody else prays. When everybody else is out there doing their thing, talking about other people, talking about this, talking about that, trying to be cute on social media. Daniel, you're talking to me. And I want you to know, son, I see when you go into your inner room and you shut the door. I don't claim to be a legalist, but I am a biblicist and I, I still do that. I shut the door. It's a little thing for me that I, I'm just gonna shut the door like Jesus said. And Lord, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm shutting everything else out. I'm gonna shut all this level out. And Lord, all it's gonna be all this until that door opens up. And I wanna say this to you, you'll be a lot better with people if you'll spend time with God. And whether you shut a door, that's totally up to you. I shut the door, it's just symbolic to me. Lord, nothing's more important than talking with you. Preaching in Southwest, Southeastern Seminary, Southwestern Seminary, Southern Seminary, preaching in the Southern Baptist Seminary, President of Bellevue Pastor, not, none of that's more important, Lord. You took me when I was just a kid at Martin, Lord, playing football at a little Division II school. You took me, Lord, out of the miry clay. You set my feet on a rock. You've put a new song in my heart. And you have changed me. And you're still changing me. So, Lord, you're more important than my next heartbeat. You're more important than my breath. So it doesn't bother me to shut the door and be alone with you. And when people do that, God says, you are very precious to me. Very precious to me. When I get to heaven, there's somebody I want to meet, and I've never met her. I don't even know her name. But I sure do look forward to meeting her. When my mother and daddy got married, daddy was in World War II. He had never been out of Lauderdale County. He weighed 150 pounds. He was 6'3". Skinny as a rail. He said, everybody complained about the food in the Navy. He says, the best food he ever had in his life. 
all you could eat. Never been out of Lauderdale County, went all over the world in World War II, fighting in World War II on a ship in the Navy. Came home, got a job on the railroad. He and mom were depression children. I'm not saying they were depressed, they were not depressed. They were living in the depression. My dad in one of the rooms in his house had a dirt floor for the floor. They were poor farmers. And both of my parents had to quit high school to go to work. But they were hard workers, they came home and they'd been working since they were teenagers. And dad and mom got married. About a year after they got married, my mother was diagnosed with double breast cancer. Now I've got, we were talking about our kids today. That's what guys like Dr. Aiken and I do. We talk about our kids. And guess why? Because we love them. And uh, we were talking about all that. And I've got a 23-year-old daughter. I can't imagine her having double breast cancer. And my mother went and she had one of her breasts removed. My mother was not a Christian. And this little Baptist lady uh, that had had both of her breasts removed, had a double mastectomy, was my mother's roommate. And my mother was scheduled to have her breast removed, her second breast removed the next day. And she said, Steve, I, I can remember this lady. She said, I was semi-sedated, but I can remember this lady. And she crawled up into my bed. My mother had long, curly, blonde hair. She said, she put my head in her lap and she prayed for me all night, all night. She said, I'd, I'd come to and I'd see this little lady I didn't even know asking God to heal me. They came in the next day and the cancer was gone. And when that when my mother came out from under sedation, she couldn't believe it. She still had a breast. I don't know if you're supposed to say breast in a seminary or not. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm just too late. <laughs> that one got out. Okay, okay. <laughs> just rain that one back in. Okay. But that mother shared, that woman shared the gospel with my mom. And my mom got saved. And that lady, said, she said, when you get back to Central City, Kentucky, that's where my dad and mom lives. She said, you go find a good Southern Baptist church. You tell them you got healed, you got saved, and you need to be baptized. And she did. And uh, my daddy got saved then too. And he was a deacon. And she was a Sunday school teacher. And here I am preaching the gospel. When it comes to prayer, I'm not a salesman, I'm a satisfied customer. If it wasn't for prayer, I wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for a God who answers prayer. Some of you might be wrestling with God, been there, done that, give up, he wins. <laughs> Best thing you can do is just nestle with God. And I can honestly tell you, the best part of your day will be when you just get alone with God, shut the door, and it's just you and him, and you open his word, and you read it, and it reads you, and you talk back to the Lord what he said to you. You 
you tell him your heart, you open your heart to him, and this whole world opens up. That's so real. And it's so life-changing. I, if I could go back to your age, I'm 58, been there, done that. If I could go back to your age, I'd pray a lot more, talk a lot less, and worry a lot less. I just want to encourage you to pray. I love the Lord. He heard my And pitied every groan long as I live, though troubles rise. To his throne, I'll hasten to your throne. I'll hasten to your throne. I'll hasten to your throne I'll hasten to your throne cause I love you Lord you have heard my cry you have pitied every groan and long as I live though troubles rise I'll hasten to Hasten to your throne. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We cover your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work 
you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.